You're listening to the Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered Podcast, a place for inspiration, empowerment, and personal development. Showcasing badass women from all over the world, giving tips on personal development, mindset, and healing. I'm your host, Olivia, transformational success coach for spiritual female entrepreneurs. Now let's dive into this episode. Thank you for tuning back in to the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. Today, I have a phenomenal guest. Like this woman is a powerhouse. Her name is Danielle Kobo, and she is an elite career coach with over 14 years of sales experience. Among seven years as a senior manager for a Fortune 500 company, Danielle has earned four back-to-back president's trips and manager of the year. She, ha- she is a published author, military spouse, hey, and mother of twin boys. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be a guest on your podcast. Absolutely. And guys, just so you know, her, her links are in the show notes below if you would like to reach out and talk to her because we're really going to talk about what it takes to, you know, really compete in the market as a female and really progress. I mean, we're, we're so lucky now, you know, but can you share just a little bit of your story of the experience that you have with, you know, sales and everything? Yeah. So I started my career um, when I was 20. Well, I started working full time when I was 16, but I really started my career when I was 23. And it was interesting because I started my career in capital equipment sales, which if you're familiar with capital equipment sales, it's a predominantly male industry. I mean, amongst our sales team, there was a hundred people, there was a hundred people on the sales team. Only seven of us were female. (laughs) And in addition to being one of the only females, I was also the youngest person on the sales force. So I remember this time when, you know, national sales meetings come up and my manager says, okay, who's going to be the first one to get to the meeting? Um, Can you rent a car? And I said, yeah, I'm the first one to get there, but I'm not old enough to rent a car. (laughs) So um, that's where I started my career and then transitioned into, I was actually recruited. I wasn't looking for a position. I was recruited into aesthetics and I had the amazing opportunity to work in the medical aesthetics industry. So I worked for Allergan, which is known to be the maker of Botox. And I got to lead an incredible team um, for seven years and earned manager of the year and, you know, took a team to number one. That is awesome. Now, what made you decide that it was your time to go out and branch out and start becoming a career coach? That's a great question. So I, I had been in, I had been with my former company for seven years. And I knew I wanted a change. I just didn't know what it was. And so each year I create my vision board and my vision board is, you know, what do I want my financial goals to be, my career goals, um, you know, my faith goals. And I put this quote on my vision board and it said, people don't get promoted for doing their job. They're doing their job well. They get promoted because what people see the potential in them. And COVID really opened my eyes to what I wanted in the sense of, 
I was, you know, in 2019, my husband was deployed for a year. My twins were a year and a half. I was traveling 60% of the time and then COVID hit and it was like, okay, let's just recalibrate. Let's see what you want to do. And so it started with, I was mentoring people. I mean, in addition to my job, I was mentoring people and I decided to leave my organization, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I, you know, I was applying to jobs, but nothing felt really true in my heart. And so I started mentoring people and every single person was, you know, getting jobs for the companies that I wanted to work for, but didn't have positions in my backyard. And I kept hearing Danielle, you need to be a career coach. You need to be a career coach. And I was like, no, I'm not going to start my own business. This is really scary. I like, you know, the safety net of corporate America. And then finally, I started really hearing it from recruiters. And that's an eye-opening experience. When recruiters start telling you, you need to stop looking for a job. You need to do this full time. This is what you're designed to do. And so I finally said, okay, that's it. If I don't do this, I'm always going to wonder. So I'm going to take a leap of faith and I'm going to follow my passion. And I love what I do. I get to wake up every single morning and support people that like either want to, they want to step into their dream career, or they're just wanting to level up in their existing organization, or they want to create balance in their life. There's so much that I get to support professionals with. And I work with a lot of women. Um, so I get to wake up every morning, do what I love. That has to be, so how does your, how did your like, schedule change so much, you know, like, did it change a lot with, you know, now being your own boss and having to, you know, have that structure, what are some of the tips, you know, you would say from somebody transitioning from corporate America to, you know, being their own CEO? That's a great question. Um, so I talk a lot about, you know, creating balance. One of my most, um, requested trainings when I was in corporate America was creating balance. And, you know, as a CEO of your own business, you're doing everything. You're doing the accounting, you're doing the marketing, you're, you know, you're doing the coaching and you're doing the building of your business. And it's really easy to get caught up in doing everything. And at sometimes you really need to take a moment and say, okay, do I have balance in my life? And if I don't, what is my hourly rate? So how much time you know, what is my hourly rate? And does it make sense for me to outsource things? So when I was starting with my podcast, I was working all day. And then at night I was, you know, editing the podcast, doing the show notes and, and doing all these things. And I said, you know what, this is something I can outsource. And by doing that, it gives me more time to support my clients and grow my business. Mm -hmm. And that's one advice that I, you know, I would really give to anybody that's going to be starting a business is there's value in outsourcing things so that you can really focus on growing your business. And it's an investment. You're, you're everything that I bring in now, I'm reinvesting into my business because I, I see the end goal. I see the vision, you know, three, five years from now. And it's a matter of just taking that risk and reinvesting in your business so that you can grow it. Oh yeah. So what, that makes me now wonder, you know, three years from now, where do you want to be? Ooh. So I have this vision and 
It is very specific. And it was when I was thinking about, you know, starting on my own business. Sometimes you just have these visions and they're so clear that you just, you see it. And so I see myself on stage and I'm wearing this black blazer. I have my black Spanx favorite, you know, black leggings. Um, I love their, their, you know, um, professional wear. I have my nude Louis Vuittons, Christian Louis Vuittons, and I am presenting in front of a thousand people. Now, if you, if you know, one thing that most people don't know about me is I actually was terrified of public speaking and I've really took strides in getting more comfortable and confident with public speaking, but I see myself two, three years from now doing these wide, um, trainings and keynote speaking on creating balance in your life, as well as, you know, embracing life's challenges. I've had a very unique upbringing and how my challenges in life have really shaped me into who I am today and how it can support other others as well. So I see myself not only being a keynote speaker, I really have a passion for workshops and creating workshops because they're very interactive. So that's where I see my business going um, in the future. And that's what I'm working on now. I absolutely love that. Well, since you had an interesting upbringing, I kind of want to hear about it. Let me know, how were you, how did you grow up? Oh, so I actually just published this, this letter. So I grew up where I, my, my mom and my dad, they divorced when I was two. And I had this very vivid memory. My first memory as a child was my dad was coming to pick me up. He wanted to take me to a baseball game. My mom wouldn't let me. She threw me over her shoulder, ran to the next door's neighbors. I'm holding on to her and I'm seeing them argue. And I'm in full blown tears because I want to see my dad. That is my first memory. And it's a very painful memory. And my mom ended up kidnapping me. So my mom ended up moving and not telling my dad where I was. My dad searched for about a month to try and find me. Then, then basically when their divorce got finalized and the, um, you know, the child agreement put in, she got full custody just because it was going to be a nightmare for my dad in, in a lot of ways. And fast forward, you know, my mom is a, my mom does amazing things. So she's driven, she's passionate. She actually was a region manager in pharmaceutical sales. So I really followed in her footsteps and she modeled so many great qualities. She also suffered from bipolar disorder and that upbringing, um, I held on to a lot of anger and resentment. And actually in March, um, 2020, my mom committed suicide. Oh, I'm so sorry. And so thank you. Um, yeah, it was, it's, it's something I'm still heal, healing from. It, it's definitely been, you know, a work in progress to heal. And what I've learned recently is, and this is really where my passion comes from, how I can support others and where I see myself as a keynote speaker is we have a choice. I, I can take responsibility in things. And so I can, I can't take responsibility on the fact that my mom kidnapped me. I can't take mm -hmm. responsibility in the fact that she committed suicide. I can take responsibility on my emotions towards it. Mm -hmm. And so 
you know, for so many years, I held on to anger and resentment and just these negative emotions. And I started seeing it show through as I started this business where I had a lot of insecurities. I didn't know deep down inside because I had created this wall where I basically viewed my success and who I was a person validation off of my awards and not who I was as a person. And I actually just published, um, this, this most recent week, it's, um, a daughter's love letter to a mother taken by suicide. And it's my love letter to her. It's my love letter talking about my, our upbringing and my, my memories and how they affected me and the emotions that I held on to all these years. And I get to choose to heal. I get to choose to acknowledge the great qualities about her. And I get to choose my responsibilities on what emotions I hold on to. And I basically wrap up the letter by saying, I love you. And I want you to be my guardian angel. And I want you to look over my kids because my kids have never met my mom. And, and so it's, it's a, it's a healing love letter. It's a healing love letter for both of us. And I know she's up in heaven looking over at us. I know she's a part of, you know, and I've dedicated my business to her. It's on the bottom of my website, but yeah, that's what I say by unique upbringing. It's, it's definitely been, and everyone has a unique upbringing, but that's really how these challenges in my life have really shaped me into who I am today. And I get to choose to use these challenges to support others. I love that. And you're so, you seem so connected to the women that you help as well. So can you tell me a little bit about like some of the success stories that you've had with, you know, just starting out your business and the women that you've helped, you know, place them with really good careers? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so I've had the chance to work with some incredible women and what I often find is these women, we all have limiting beliefs, you know, and what I hear is I'm too old. I'm too young. I don't have experience. And what I get to support these women with is helping them understand their inner power. Cause oftentimes I'll, I'll work with somebody and they'll say, Oh, be, explain to me what you currently do in your role. Right? So I had a client once where she's explaining to me all the things that she does. And she has this limiting belief that the roles and responsibilities that she has now are underqualified for a VP role, which is what she's stepping into. And what's interesting is, is all the, the decisions that she makes now and that she has the ability to be a decision maker on now is more of the accountability than if she worked for a big corporation because there's more layers to it. And so I get to support women truly understanding their inner power and then saying, okay, here's what your, here's your success. Now let's take what you've done really well. And this is how it's going to translate to the new role that you're applying to. And it's, it's, and then beyond that, um, I really invite and encourage my clients to not apply to jobs online. And most people are like, you know, why? (laughs) Less than 10% of candidates are actually hired from an online application. So what I work with my clients on is let's develop your brand. Let's create meaningful connections with hiring managers directly and recruiters. Let's, you know, support you in excelling through this interview process. 
as well as negotiating their salary, negotiating their offer letter. And oftentimes we negotiate more than my services ever would cost. And that's the goal. I want it to be more than worth it. And it, it's a fun and it's so, it's so exciting when you get to be a part of that, like that call, I got the job. That is the highlight of my day. Oh yeah. That def- I know when I get calls from clients and I'm just like, they when I see the different breakthroughs that they have, it's just such the most heartwarming feeling that it's like, you know what, I've done it. And it also is not so much about, you know, it's, it's knowing that who you are is what has helped them. The skills that you've come up, you know, that you've developed over the years and the person that you are and the heart that you have along with that to really help them and guide them throughout that whole entire process. Because finding jobs right now, it might be, I've, I've noticed this, there's a lot of lower paying jobs right now, but a lot of the companies that are hiring right now have let are hiring because they let go of people and they're trying to pay people less. Like I, I'm seeing it with, with my day job. It's like they're, they let go of a lot of people and then they just started hiring temps. And so with this ever-changing economy, how, how are you combating that? You know what? I'm seeing that as well. I'm seeing some companies who are there, they've, furloughed people, they laid off people, they've gone through restructuring. And what they're realizing is there's a way that they can shift the business, you know, whether it's using inside sales or whether it's using temp. And you really have to hone in and knowing your value and knowing what your non-negotiables are, what your worth is, and the value that you bring into the table. And what I would invite people to do is negotiate. And the reason being is 70% of managers expect that you're going to negotiate their offer letter. They expect it. They already know that going in. And very few people actually do that. And what the another statistic shows is when you negotiate your salary, of the time you get what you ask for. And it's because you know your value. People are hiring you because the value you bring and how you can support that organization. So it's really starting with knowing yourself and and, and knowing what you're not going to settle on. And what I'm finding more people looking for now is company culture is extremely important. It's huge. Yeah, I'm seeing some people that are a little, they're okay with taking a little bit less if the company culture is really going to support their overall well-being because we spend more time at work than we do at home. It's important we, we love what we do and we love to work with the people that we do. And so company culture is what I'm hearing a lot of people really looking for. Hey, do you want to join this conversation? Do you have input that you would love to give? Join Level Up With Live Facebook community for badass spiritual women. It's all about accountability and motivation. And we talk about these podcasts as well. The link to join is in the show notes below. I, I agree with that. I think that people are really starting to realize that in the hybrid schedules. A lot of people, they, they don't necessarily want to be home 24-7. They don't necessarily want to be in an office 24-7. But this hybrid thing, people are really liking that flexibility because 
I mean, I know myself as a person whose husband's deployed, like it's so helpful to be able to like do laundry in the middle of the day if I need to. And just, you know, be home with my dogs, like, cause I don't have kids, but like, and I know that that's a struggle for people's pets as well to go from having us after you know, quarantine and COVID and everything be at home so much more frequently and then to turn around and then be gone for 43 to 45 hours a week because, you know, considering the commute. Yeah. I, I don't know what my dogs would do without me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's definitely corporations, you know, there's still some people that are still stuck in that old mentality, right. Mm -hmm. Where it's, you know, they believe that production is going to suffer. Productivity is going to suffer if they're not in the office. And what it's really taking is, you know, some of these articles and, and information coming about and people standing up and speaking and saying, you know what, here's, you know, when I have this hybrid schedule, here is how I get to be more productive for you and overall well-being. And it really takes you just speaking up mm-hmm. because if we just leave the decisions to them, nothing's going to change. We got to show them why and what the value it's going to be by having that flexible schedule. And as younger generations come up, they're really pushing the envelope for this as well. Oh, absolutely. I know like we had some temps start at my job recently and they're like, well, this, they told us it was going to be hybrid. And if they ask us to come full time, that's going to be a problem. A lot of them feel that way. And um, I can't really blame them, you know, because when you start a job, you, you know, you expect things to be, to main, you know, maintain that same standard that we know that that doesn't always happen, but yeah. So what are some of the other things that you're seeing that are a little different now after COVID in the job market um, than, you know, before COVID? What I'm seeing now in the job market is, you know, in prior, searching for a position is much different. And, you know, a lot of times that the strategy was apply to jobs. And what will happen is when you apply to jobs, you'll get interviews and then, you know, you get the job. There's systems put in place. They're called artificial intelligence filtering systems. So on average, a job may have about 250 applicants. And then from there, it filters maybe the top 10%. So that system is really designed to filter out resumes. And then it's a matter of, are you actually going to get that resume in front of a hiring manager? So for example, I, as a hiring manager for seven years, I never hired somebody from an online application. It was all referral. And so what I'm seeing people really shift towards and understanding the value is developing their brand. Mm -hmm. It is extremely important that people are developing your, their brand and a step by doing that is by engaging more on LinkedIn. 87% of recruiters use LinkedIn as a way to source top talent. And so when you start to in, you know, engage on LinkedIn, when you start to really understand the investment and time when it comes to creating a, a profile on LinkedIn, having it be very comprehensive, you'll find that jobs will come to you and you get to choose whether you want to pursue it or not. 
But if you're not engaging on LinkedIn, you're going to miss the boat on a lot of opportunities. So that's where I'm seeing a big shift is people are really starting to see the value of LinkedIn and the power behind it. How do you suggest someone build their brand on LinkedIn? Like what are, like, do you have a few like, like steps or tips for that? Yes. Okay. So number one go-to is have a professional headshot. This is not a headshot where you were at some wedding and somebody took a snapshot and you like cut yourself out. No, this is your professional brand. So have a headshot, a professional headshot. If for any reason you can't afford a professional headshot, then, you know, use there's, um, you can take a selfie using a selfie stand with a ring light. There's apps that you can do to enhance the imaging. Whatever it is, just make sure it's a good representation of your brand. Um, also a background cover, you know, and what I would uh, what I would suggest and invite people to do is have it be like your favorite quote. You know, pick something that sparks curiosity about people and fill out every single section. So on the about section, there's about 1300 characters that you can do. And the about section is an overview of your career. And then you get the opportunity to then write, you know, each job and you're in the description of the job and your accomplishments of the job in, in the job description. And then LinkedIn gives you the opportunity to have 50 top skills or 50 skills. So make sure that all of those skills are filled out. And the top 10 are the most important because if you're on LinkedIn premium, it gives you the opportunity to say, if you're applying for a job, do your top 10 skills align with the jobs that you're applying for? So when it comes to profile, that's my recommendation. And I would invite everybody to post three days a week. Now I post every single day. I, I post, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, but if you haven't been active before, then set a realistic goal. And it doesn't have to be anything, you know, very lengthy. It may be just, I'm sharing this inspiring quote, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Just get the activity going mm -hmm. and connect with people. And how would you suggest people connect with, let's say they, they're looking for a job and they really want to build those connections, but they can't because it's virtual. So, well, not in person, but you know, it's virtual. So how do you suggest people build the connections with people on LinkedIn? Yeah, so that is so important. I'm so glad you asked this because connections is what is the most important thing when you're using LinkedIn. And so what I would recommend is write, you know, make a list of the top 20 um, companies that you want to work for. And once you make that list, then there's filters that you can use within LinkedIn to say, okay, among the employees that live in the Florida market, you know, who are those people and start connecting with them so that you're being very strategic at the people that you're connecting with. And you know what? They may not have a job today, but they may have one in the future. Mm -hmm. I held on to a resume for an entire year before I was able to hire the person that I wanted because somebody on my team got promoted. So you know, I held on to this resume. I told her I didn't have a position available, but I knew that the person in that position was, you know, ready to level up. And so I held on to it. And a year later, I called her and I hired her. So you never know, you know, when you make that connection, where it could go. 
what type of um, profiles stick out to you the most on LinkedIn? Hmm. The ones that you can tell they've really invested time and they see the value. You know, I, I, it's interesting. I even have, you know, I'll see CEOs or VPs or directors of marketing where they just have their picture and, you know, some job descriptions. And I'm saying, is that really, do you want that to represent your brand? And so the ones that stand out the most are the ones that have a little bit of personality to them. You know, that background cover is a representation of who you are. Is there an inspiring quote? Is there, you know, colors? It just adds some flavor to your, pro- your profile. And be, when you're active on LinkedIn, let people get to know you. Be vulnerable. It's okay to be vulnerable. In fact, there's a lot of good qualities about being vulnerable as a leader. And so when you, got, when you get to show people who you are, that's when you get to create those connections. And that's when your profile really stands out. Oh, yeah. I see. I used to, you make me want to use LinkedIn so much more now. Like, because I used to, and then I was like, oh, no, like, I'm not going to, you know, I wasn't looking for a job. But I know that there's so many other reasons to be on LinkedIn as well. And their algorithm isn't the same as like, you know, you can actually, you, and it's just so much more informative. I also really like the news that they have on there because their news like is so, so much more informative when it comes to what's going on in the market, what's actually realistic, you know, how people are really feeling in the workplace, how people, you know, they talk so much about mental health and, you know, that's what I gravitate towards. So I'll notice that type of stuff, but, or even trade compliance things. Um, which is something I deal with with my um, day job. Just learning that type of stuff, what's really going on in the world. It, I think LinkedIn is something that is a underused resource. It really a is. A lot of people, you know, they set up a profile, but they just kind of let it set there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they don't really engage on it until they're like, oh no, I got to look for a job. And if you invest time in your brand, you get to be in a situation where you're never looking for a job. So I was recruited from, I wasn't looking for a job. I was recruited to a new company. And that's happened each time that I've made a a job change. And now I've only worked for three companies, but that's the opportunity is because you're engaged, you're creating connections, you're active on LinkedIn. And if you sign up for LinkedIn premium, there's a lot of value because you get to take all the courses. So there's a lot of LinkedIn learning courses on developing your brand, sales skills, customer service skills. Um, And I turn my car into a a LinkedIn or either podcast learnings on the go. Every time in my my car, I'm either listening to a podcast or I'm listening to a LinkedIn learning you know, and just using that time to just fuel my brain and my soul with knowledge just to continue to develop. And the premium is a great resource. Oh yeah. It definitely, like you have me wanting to do this, like as soon as we're done. Um, so how do you know, I know you focus a lot on balance. So how did you implement the balance with, I mean, you've got two young boys, your husband's, you know, he, he was in the military or he still is. He's still in the military. Yeah. yeah. So he was deployed for a year in 2019. Yeah. I mean, how did you find balance with that? So I have to admit when I first, when he first told me he was going to get deployed, I freaked out. 
I said, I'm going to have to quit my job. There's no way I'm going to be able to have these twins do overnight travel and, and have you be deployed for a year. And I really, I had a lot of anxiety over it. And I was actually getting a little resentful because I was like, you know, I love my career. I love what I do. I finally have my dream job and now I may have to quit it. And eventually I just took a step back and said, okay, let's take it one day at a time. I'm not going to make a drastic decision before I go into a situation. If it becomes a situation where I can't do it, you know, I I find that then I can make it then, but I'm not going to go in with that mentality that I can't do something. And what if I can, and, you know, creating balance, you know, I did a lot of research before going into that deployment and it's really about setting boundaries. And what I mean by that is there's ways that you can say yes and, you know, saying yes to opportunities while also establishing boundaries. So if somebody approaches you and says, you know, Hey, I, I have this event coming up. Would you be able to go? I can say, Hey, you know what? Yes. I'm, I would love to go to that event. Let me check my schedule. And if you check your schedule and say, you know what? I'm already committed. Thank you for inviting me. And I look forward to the next event. Or if you, you know, have a situation where an extra project's coming your way, but you have too much on your plate, you can say, thank you so much for thinking about me. I have a project I'm working on that's time sensitive. And can I start that project next week? So you're always saying yes while also establishing boundaries. And also it's okay to not answer your phone past a certain hour. So my phone automatically goes on do not disturb at a certain hour. I have my favorite set up where, you know, family can always ring through. Um, or if I had a work phone, I always left it in my office because that's me time. And in order to best support my clients, my customers, it's important that I also fuel myself. Um, so I really looked into creating a morning routine, establishing boundaries, and speaking up. So there was a lot of assumptions made that, oh, because your husband's deployed and you have the twins and you're traveling, that you have so much on your plate. There's no way that you can do all this. And I used to be part of a lot of extra projects. And at one point, I started to notice that I wasn't being asked for extra projects. And I spoke up. I reached out to my VP and I said, Hey, I want to get involved. What's changed? What can I do differently? And he's like, well, I assumed you'd already be too busy. And I said, well, that's an assumption. You can always ask me and give me the opportunity to tell you whether I can, or I already have a commitment. Don't assume that I can't do something. That's the number one mistake. And also my kids went to bed early. You know, what kept me busy was doing the extra projects. It was fun to me. So you know, I really think that there's, if you can establish boundaries, truly know that it's okay to invest time in yourself and, and relax and recharge um, and get creative with your schedule. That would be the other thing. So I was traveling um, every week. There'd be times where I'd be gone for one week and then I'd be home for a week and then gone for another week. And there was times where I flew grandparents in to support me. And I had a lot of guilt at first about I'm going to be gone for a week. And then I shifted my mind and said, how amazing is it that my kids get one-on-one time with their grandparents that live across country? Mm -hmm. And so you get creative on asking and you learn how to ask for help. There's no doubt about that. And that's a good quality to have. People want to help. They just don't know how. And so when you ask, 
you know, people feel valued when you, when you ask for support. Oh, definitely. Now, listening to you talk about all of this, I just want to know, what are your tips on managing stress? Because I could not imagine, you know, my husband being deployed, two young boys at home, working corporate for a Fortune 500 company, you know, and then still being, having the, um, it's not even tenacity, just having the, the extra bandwidth to ask for more. That, that's honestly so impressive. So I need to know, how do you handle stress? <laughs> um, okay, so I will be very transparent. I do suffer from anxiety. So I actually suffer from anxiety and it really was a result of the fact that I suffered from severe postpartum depression after delivering. And that anxiety is kind of stuck with me. So I manage it all the time. And some of the tools that I learned um, so when I went through postpartum, I did 16 weeks of cognitive therapy. It was a lot and tools that I've learned is breathing techniques. So if I feel stress or I have anxiety going on, the first thing that I do is I acknowledge it. Okay. I'm feeling this way. And then I take deep breaths. So I'll do, um, four seconds in, hold it for four seconds release for four seconds, and then actually hold it. So before you're taking an X breath, I do that three times. And then I say, what is, what's causing this stress? What's the trigger? And I get to the root of it and I say, okay, I acknowledge it. I've calmed myself down. I know what the trigger is. And I give myself five seconds to shift my mind and say, okay, here's this negative thought. How can I shift my mind to do something differently? And um, that would be one thing that I would, that I would recommend. The other thing is be compassionate with yourself. So, you know, I bought a Peloton bike before my husband deployed. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to be able to go to gym. So I'm going to have this bike. I had it for two years, never rode the thing. I think it had 25 rides in two years and you get to be compassionate with yourself and saying, you know what, at that period in my life, sleep was more important than riding the bike to me catching up on sleep was more important. And, you know, now that he's back and I'm getting caught up on sleep, we trade off who gets to sleep in on the weekends. Now I get to take that time and I get to reinvest into what I enjoy doing, which is working out. So I'd also say like, really be compassionate with yourself. I think we're so hard on ourselves of putting these expectations of what we should be or who we should be and giving yourself grace. I honestly agree with that so much that like, those are the things that kind of help me too. I've had to learn them the hard way. Um, but I, I've noticed that, you know, if I'm having a really hard time, it's because I'm not being kind enough to myself in that very moment. You know, it's, it's so easy to just be like, I need to be that it, it's sticking up to that own standard. And it's something that women that are high achievers deal with so much more. I feel like, because it's like, we're, so much harder on ourselves. Now women are harder on themselves in general. I'm not saying that they're not, but seriously, there's, it's a different, it's, it's, it's there's a difference. <laughs> you know, yeah. this. Um, there is. and knowing that, that it's so much, cause we almost feel like being kind is weak to ourselves. Like we don't necessarily like, no, that's fine for other people. No, we're, we're, you know, we're hard, you know, we can do this, you know, but 
actually taking the time to be kind to myself has been something that I've really had to work on really hard this year. Cause I'm like, I'm, I have to take me with me. I have to like mm-hmm. myself throughout this whole entire process. And you yeah. know, when the days get hard, you got it. You only have you at the end of them. Yes. You've got your family and everything, but if you, if you get taken out, you know, yeah. I mean, I w- think about it. There's a reason why when you get on the plane and the flight attendant says, put the oxygen mask on first, mm-hmm. because you need oxygen in order to support somebody else. So mm-hmm. in order for me to be the most, you know, a loving mother, a supportive wife, a caring wife, a, a good friend, a, a fantastic employee, I have to take care of myself because, you know, I notice when I support my clients, when I'm fueled with energy and I've got that passion and I'm energized and all that, like I really get to pour into supporting my clients. If I'm exhausted and overwhelmed and stressed out, I'm not going to be of great service to them. And there's times where that happens. There's times where I've just been in a negative kind of shift in my mind. And I've said, you know what, I'm going to stop working today. And the reason being is because I'm not in a good mindset. I want to identify why I need to, you know, refocus some things. And um, sometimes I just kind of shut down because I wouldn't be doing anybody a disservice. You know, I'd be doing nobody a service. So letting that be okay for yourself, that, that is where that being kind to yourself really comes in because it's giving yourself that grace because then you can you recover so much faster when you can fill your own cup and get from your overflow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really can. I love this. So you, you've given me so many nuggets. I mean, one, use LinkedIn, negotiate, know your worth, all of these tips on actually using like LinkedIn that you gave and like how you manage stress, your story. Like, thank you so much, Danielle, for sharing. So you really... You've helped so many people. You have no idea. It's I'm, I'm passionate about what I do. So to me, this is just fun and exciting. And I'm very passionate about, you know, women finding their dream careers, like leveling up, overcoming adversity and, and just really creating the life that they desire. And so to me, this is fun. I'm, I'm honored to be a guest on your podcast and to kind of share this knowledge with your audience. Yes. I'm so honored to have you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the empowered woman, badass and unfiltered podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass.